0: Last week I was sitting out on uh, vision, and part of the, uh, the vision of the church is a concept of allowing ourselves to be transformed into the image of the Lord, so that we can go out and transform our communities, transform our societies, okay? And so that happens when we understand our identity as sons and daughters, but we also allow ourselves to be just transformed by His love and His compassion into the image of His likeness. Uh, and so to continue with that kind of concept, we have this element of authority, that the Lord has given to us. So if we open up to Luke chapter 10, verse 19, we'll see something that's going on here. This is uh, Yeshua, Jesus speaking. It says, Behold, I give you the authority. Boom, right there. I give you the authority. He's talking to the uh, disciples. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, okay, but also over all the power of the enemy. All, not some, not half, not a quarter, all. All the power of the enemy and nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. You hear this? Like spirits, principalities, demons are actually subject to us and the authority that has been given to us. That's the cosmic part and also the authority part. Okay? So authority we have an unbelievable amount of authority because of the blood of Jesus, the Holy Ghost that's inside of us. And I understand bad things happen. We all have gone through bad things. Uh, and difficult things happen, but that does not negate the truth. The truth of the matter is we have this authority. Yeah, I need a lot of amens today, guys. I do, I do, So we have authority from on high. Can everyone just agree with that from that scripture verse? We have authority. Now the cosmic part. Cosmic. Cosmic is just an English terminology that means the universe. Right? Spiritual places. The cosmic realm. The, the, the spiritual realm. So what we have here is your role... As, 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 and our role as the body of Messiah is not just to impact the earth, uh, but it's to also impact heavenly places. Because if, 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 if the demonic or uh, spiritual things are subject to our authority, we have a responsibility and a calling to impact and change that realm. That's this cosmic realm that I'm talking about. So what we have to begin to think here is that Church is not just about what's going on here and what's not just going on on earth, but also what's going on above the earth in a spiritual realm, which may be a very new teaching for many of us. And so here's the reality. Uh, In order to impact the earth, we need to impact heavenly places. So Sometimes we do not see the results that we believe the Lord is showing us in our lives. Uh, And it may be because we're not impacting the heavenly place. And uh, part of this, I believe, comes from a misunderstanding of what authority is. And so uh, we're going to get into a little bit of culture here before we get into more of the word, but I wanted to lay that out. So I I really do believe as a school teacher, as a parent, and just as an adult, uh, there's a certain kind of what we call zeitgeist, a spirit of the age. There's like a cultural spirit that's going on in America right now that I believe uh, to be anti-authority big time, right? Okay, right, so I'm not alone in this. There's a big time spirit of anti-authority. I want to clarify this, you know, tyranny, which is bad authority, okay? Dictatorships, control, compulsion, force, manipulation, that's bad. That type of authority needs to be abated, needs to be ended, but not all authority is that way. Not all authority is tyrannical and controlling and manipulative and forceful. I mean, this country fought a revolution off off of the concept of an other country, which we were a colony of, was doing tyranny towards us. And the people rose up and said, we're breaking off that tyranny to be in liberty, which is a very spiritual thing, breaking off tyranny to be underneath the true law of liberty of Jesus. So I want to clarify that not all authority is bad. But there seems to be, in my estimation, in the spiritual realm of what's going on, that there's a lot of bad mojo going on about authority. Look, you know, you have uh, you know, the CEO of companies. They're, they have authority in their workplace. You know, the infamous 1%, how evil, how greedy, how horrible they are. Look, I'm sure some people that are working in those positions are greedy, are horrible, are nasty, Right? But then there are also people that are in those positions who literally sell off major parts of their stock options and their wealth to eradicate diseases on planet Earth. Like, I don't have that type of authority because I don't have that kind of money. Bill Gates has targeted five diseases that he and his foundation are going after. And he has brought forth millions and millions and millions of dollars to do that. But there's such a feeling like, oh, you know, the wealthy, the 1%. And look, some of them are, I'm sure, not so hot, not so nice. Just like a lot of poor people are not so hot and so nice. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater is what I'm saying, right? They have a certain authority of wealth that can be used for the kingdom. If they're doing things rightly, right? Police. Police brutality. Right? Black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter. There's all this mojo that's going on. Are there good police? Absolutely. Are there bad police? I bet. I'm sure. Are more police good than bad? Yeah. I definitely think so. I definitely believe so. Uh, Do we want to uh, respect and raise up um, any kind of uh, racism that is found in institutions and confront it and discuss it? Absolutely. It's part of our calling as believers to stand on the premise of the beauty of humanity and to eradicate racism, and to re- eradicate segregation. There's no doubt about it. But there's also an element of that you, you don't tear down the entire establishment of police and the authority because of some bad eggs. President of the United States. Enough said, right? But here's the thing, the same people, the same people that... I, don't, I can't say all the same people, but... People that, a lot of people, or some people, I don't know how you want to phrase it, that are, that are saying that, like, hey, don't tear down President Trump. I know this personally, that some of those people were the same people that were tearing down Barack Obama. And the same people who were saying, don't tear down Barack Obama, are now some of the people that are tearing down Donald Trump. Now, I'm not saying all people are doing this. We have a responsibility to evaluate and criticize those people that are in authority with love, compassion, understanding, and most importantly, prayer. But all these examples, uh, and including you know, a parent or a teacher, I mean, there's like, it used to be like, you, a kid did something wrong in the classroom, the parent was like, what did you do? Yeah. You know, behind the, parent, behind the teacher. Now it's like, well, what did you do as a teacher to cause this? You're like... It just happened. Like, there's a shift. And it's a toxic spirit. It really is a toxic spirit. Because authority that is not tyrannical comes from the Lord. True authority is based on love, calling, competence, and responsibility. I want to say this again. True authority, whether it's you, authority in your home. Authority in your family, authority at work, authority at the, in the church is that it comes and it needs to be based on the love of the Lord, a calling from the Lord, and of course a competence of ability with the Lord, and responsibility. Right? A calling comes with a responsibility. So, fathers, you have a responsibility. You have a calling. Mothers, you have a responsibility and calling. If you really look at it, well, we all have some type of authority. So what we have here is this. In the world, there needs to be authority. Without authority, systems break down. <clears throat> in the spirit, there needs to be authority to establish a healthy church and to manifest the mystery of God to earth. And it seems to me in our society, a lot of people that are trying to tear down both. Trying to tear down both. So let's, uh, let's get into the, uh, the, the, the context of what's going on here to, to have a little bit more sense here. Uh, let's take a look at uh, uh, Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. Because I really want to lay down um, the true understanding of authority because we have it. And uh, you know, I've been around in charismatic Pentecostal circles for about 30 years now. And I've seen people go astray uh, with their use of authority. Uh, And uh, the number one thing that I've come across is this one. This whole notion of binding and loosing. Uh, It's a scripture verse that uh, Pentecostals, charismatics, uh, have completely taken out of context. And there needs to be a little biblical correction here. So Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Josh, could you hook me up? I'm hitting a couple golden calves here. Like, two or more gather in my name. I'm in the midst of them. Amen. I will give you what you ask for. Can we all agree right now for me to have a million dollars? Amen. Well, it's probably not going to happen. Why? The will of God. <laughs> well, it might be the will of God, but what I'm trying to correct here is that's not what this scripture verse is about. Oh. It's not what this scripture verse is about. And it's not about you binding and loosing the demonic and angels. The common prayer, I bind this demon in Jesus' name, that is not what this scripture verse is about. I've talked to many pastors about this, and most of them say the same thing. Well, I know that it is not about binding, but when I have a congregant pray about binding a demon, I don't want to just disrupt their prayer, because it's really awkward to do that. I'm like, Okay. So there needs to be a point to really understand what's going on here. Binding, loosing, authority, and all this kind of stuff. And there's a little bit here, and some of it's like advanced for people that haven't heard these concepts of binding and loosing. Some of it is is a little bit more basic. But we're going to try to hit all people here. So there's some things to, to, to remember when it comes to authority and this particular scripture verse. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel is fasting for 21 days. To receive revelation on high. After 21 days, an angel comes to him and says, I was tarried because the prince of Persia, a demonic principality, was holding me back. And it took the Michael, I'm sorry, the angel, the archangel, Michael, to come and to wrestle with this angel so that I could be freed to come to you. I'm not trying to put complete fear of the demonic in you because there's nothing to be afraid of, but I'm just going to tell you this. I would not recommend you binding and loosing principalities and demons. If an angel is set from the throne room of God and is delayed and is getting beat up by another spiritual principality, that it takes the highest-ranking angel in the kingdom of God, Michael, the archangel, to come and free it up. With all due respect to you all, I would not be going after those things. Because it's not your authority. It's the Lord's authority. He's given us authority, but we have to understand what's really going on here. I remind you of Luke 10. You have authority. I've given you authority on all of these things, but you have to be a little careful because this is not what the scripture verse is talking about. The, and don't worry, there's, there's a way out of this to make sense. I'm just, I'm just encouraging you not to bind. The real context of what's going on here is this. What is it talking about? If a brother sins against you, and you talk to him, and he continues to sin, you have the authority with other church members to kick them out. That's what it says here. Not that whatever you agree on earth is going to be given to you. It says, whatever you agree on in the church, someone is sinning, You've approached them. They do not repent. You have a responsibility and the authority of God as church leadership in love to say, it is time for you to move on. You're not a part of us. That's what that's about. I know we don't teach about this too often in the church because we just want to add numbers. The actual authority of the older church is, if you are sinning and you do not repent, And we go to you, and another brother goes to you, and the eldership goes to you, and you refuse to repent of your sin, sorry, you need to leave because the world is going to get us confused. There's a difference between struggling with sin and knowing that you're wrong, and flat out just being like, no, I want to do what I want, right? Right? There's a difference. There's a difference like, yo, I'm really struggling with X. And I know what's wrong. Please stand behind me and pray with me. And encourage me. Opposed to, no, I just think that this lifestyle is appropriate. There's, there's a huge difference between that. Okay? So what do we have here? Actually bringing it into the context. To bind and loose is actually a rabbinical term that's used all over the place. And it gives us a better understanding. This is what Jesus would have known. It says here this. From the Exegetical Dictionary of the New Testament, bind and loose are technical terms in Judaism. With respect to teaching, the phrase is used for authoritative exposition of the law by an authorized, ordained rabbi who has authority to forbid and permit. The Hebraic scholar John Lightfoot wrote five pages on binding and loosing in his New Testament commentary. This is the way it works. There is authority in the church body. To give explanation of things. For example, in the Old Testament or the Older Testament, it says that you are to do no work on the Sabbath. But it doesn't say what really work is. It says some things that are work, but not all things that are work. And Moses himself said, the Lord is going to appoint you sages to order to explain these things to you. Because things come up. This is when Yeshua, Jesus, comes along and says, yeah, those sages got it wrong. This is what the Sabbath really means. Because he has the authority to do that. And in this context, he gives the authority to church leadership, particularly Peter, Paul, and James, to lay down those things that we don't have written in here. Examples of this type of binding. Binding and loosing is in reference to not people and not demons, but actually things. Bind and loose things. For example, in the book of Acts, should Gentiles be circumcised? Underneath the law of Moses, it says that if you're a son of Abraham, you have to have the foreskin cut off of your your male member. We have all these Greeks coming in who are like 12, 15, 18, 20, 30 years of age. Are you going to circumcise them now? And the scripture says that the church leadership has the authority by God, if two or more are in agreement, to lay down that law. And in the book of Acts, it says a Gentile believer does not have to be circumcised to be considered the sons of Abraham. Well, can, can we eat with Gentiles because they're unclean? Give us an explanation. And the church authority says, of course, you can eat with them. Uh, what, what, what do we do with like what we can eat? What can't we eat? Which holidays to celebrate? Which holidays not to celebrate? And they give authority of explanation. Maybe in the modern world it would be like, well, Dave, what movies am I allowed to watch? Like, if you don't know, I think you should go to the Holy Spirit and go to, your fa- go to the Father for, for explanation. But if you're really torn up on something, you should come to church leadership. What movie should I watch? Can I drink alcohol? Can I not drink alcohol? Can I smoke uh, an occasional cigar? Can I not smoke an occasional cigar? I need clarification on these things. Should I be eating processed foods? High cholesterol foods? Shall I be doing that? Should I not be doing that? Can you give me some explanation and stand with me and let's pray and as two or more are gathered in our name, we'll be able to come to a, an appropriate understanding. Very sensitive stuff. Divorce. Scripture outlines when you can be divorced and when you can't be divorced. It says it. But there's also nuances that are not said. There are nuances. It doesn't say if your husband is beating you, if you can leave or not, right? There are nuances that the Lord is saying, I am giving authority of the church as a body to lay out, to bind laws and loose laws. Now, that's a pretty, that's a pretty heavy stuff for church leadership. That's why being preachers and teachers, you're going you to be held to a higher standard. It's very comical very if you don't like. But the church leadership is saying that you sure or shouldn't do it. Like, you know, you could just leave, right? That's, but, some, you know, just find the denomination that allows for your behavior. <laughs> right? I mean, now, come on, let's be real. You know? I mean, come on, we have entire denominations that are making that change. Home, and the Word of God says homosexual, uh, homosexuality is a sin. You cannot be married. Well, I don't like that interpretation. I go to a different denomination and listen to their law. Right? So it's, it's humbling and it's not like Dave on down because that's tyrannical. It's Holy Spirit leading us where there's multiple people, leadership, elders that are coming together to establish this. So uh, that was kind of like <laughs> extra but I, 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 part of me kind of twinges when people say I'm going to bind this demon. I'm like, mm. maybe it's just me being annoying But here's the thing. It's not about binding and loosing demons. That's not what the scripture is about. But here's the thing. I think when you understand that, you can actually walk in more authority. You don't have to bind demons. You don't have to bind demons. Why? Mark 3 says Jesus has already bound the strong man. If there is some kind of spiritual atmosphere that's going on, you don't have to say, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You just go and manifest the kingdom of God and it has to go. It has to go because the strong man has been bound. When you walk into an atmosphere and there's lust and there's greed and there's criminal activity, you have the authority of God to walk into that situation. You don't have to bind anything. Your presence of the Holy Ghost right there causes demons to shudder in fear. There's, there's, so I'm not trying to like negate you guys for binding and loosing demons and all that kind of stuff, necessarily. I'm just saying if you're, if you're just at that level, you're at the wrong level. The wrong level is everything has been bound by Jesus. You have that authority. You don't have to bind the spirit of lust on your husband. You've got to love your husband with the, with the beauty of the Lord, and it's got to go. You don't have to bound the the spirit of gluttony of your life. You have to draw closer to the Lord and gain love from Him than from gluttony or from a drug or whatever. And it's got to go. So I want to encourage you with this. It's not like, oh, binding and loosing, you don't have authority. It's actually, you don't have to bind and loose. You have so much authority. Because the strong man has been bound Already. That's why Jesus says, it is finished. That's why when disciples go into towns, they don't have to have a three-hour prayer meeting to try to, to try to make a change. They just say, get out of him, right? Demon. Like We, we make things so complicated. There's the gospel of simplicity. And you're like, well, why, why don't we see that kind of ease? And I think it's really because we don't have a depth of understanding of the type of authority that you have actually been given. On, I've given you authority over everything he says. It's unbelievable. It's, it's like so crazy with the, with the with the gospel like in the book of Acts like they're just like going up to people and be like, "Yeah, be raised from the dead." I mean, it's so powerful that Peter's shadow he just walks and his shadow is touching people and they're being healed and raised from the dead. It's like, man, you tap into the understanding and revelation of the authority that you already have. Amen? All right. But some of us will say, but there is a Satan. That is true. There are demons. That is true. But guys, they have no authority over you. They have no authority over you. You've been sealed with the promise of the Holy Ghost. You are a new creation. But people are like, ah, but I'm tempted by sin. I know, but it's probably not Satan. It's probably just you. Too many like, charismatic people give way too much authority to Satan. Way too much authority to the demonic world. You've been sealed, signed, delivered, a new creation, raised up into heavenly places. Jesus intercedes on your behalf. The sin that you're dealing with is most likely not a demon. It's surifiably not Satan because Satan is one man. He's not all over the place. He's not all-knowing. He can't be everywhere. With all due respect, he probably has larger fish to fry to annoy than you. He may send something after you, I get that, but you have authority. A lot of the sins that we deal with is really just us, which makes it so hard, because you can't cast yourself out of yourself. You can't cast yourself out of yourself. You need to change yourself, right? You need to change your thinking, your perspective. That's why it's like such a challenge when you're dealing with stuff and you're like, why am I doing the things that Paul himself says, it?" Come crying out loud. Right? Paul the Apostle says like, why do I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do? Because he's, he's, he's wrestling with his own persona, his own person. That's there. And I'm saying this because I think this will actually liberate you to be able to walk out in more authority and not look for the boogeyman behind every Every dark corner. Amen? Amen? But look, there is a demonic realm. And that, that's where we get into this cosmic church idea. So we need to take on the authority of not just the church, but the cosmic church. We're going to open up uh, for this, for this understanding of Ephesians. You guys with me today? I know it's a little different. It's okay. We're learning about a little spiritual warfare. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 says this. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the churches to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Read again. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church To the principalities and the powers in heavenly places. Ephesians 3.10. What we have here is a call by Paul to the church of Ephesus that you have a responsibility to make the mystery of God known. Okay? Known to who? Known to the earth. I got that. But also to heavenly places and principalities. You have a call to make the mysteries of God known to earth but also to heavenly places let them know what the mystery of God is. Romans 8:19 to 21 says this all of creation has been waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be made manifest. First Peter 1:12 says Even angels are looking into the things that we are doing. All of of creation, the trees, the rocks, the animals, and fallen angels are waiting in expectation for the sons of God to be made manifest unto the earth, but then also to, where? Heavenly places and to principalities. To whom are we going to make these things known? To the earth, but also the principalities, to demons, to heavenly places. We have to make the mystery of God, the power of the gospel known to earth, but also to the demonic world. Let them know what's happening. Remind them of the authority of Jesus and his blood. Not just to earth, but to heavenly places. It's amazing. This is the notion of a cosmic church. Now, John Piper, who's not necessarily the most like uh, sp- spirit kind of filled, charismatic, dancing around kind of guy per se, uh, says it like this: Most of us live our lives with far too little awareness of the ra- realities around us, and he's talking about the spiritual realm. It's like too many of the churches walk around and they don't understand. That there are principalities and spiritual heavenly places. There are principalities and demons that have been given authority to certain areas. and Most believers just walk down the street not even understanding that. Now this guy is a highly respected author and teacher. And so let's try to drive this home now. If we can maybe have the worship team come on down. So there's a couple questions in trying to understand this. What and who are principalities? Like I said, some of this is basic you're like, well, principality? Like it's like a principal of a school, right? What's a principality? Principalities that are mentioned all over the Bible, and particularly here in Ephesians three ten, that we're supposed to let them know about the goodness and richness of the Lord. They are fallen angels. They are demons who have been given authority by Satan to rule over regions. There's lots of scripture verses to prove that, and we we don't necessarily have the time today to do that. But one is the prince of Persia. He was a demonic being uh, that was over the empire of Persia in that area that was so powerful that he was able to retard, if you will, the movement of another angel. Okay? Because remember, right, uh, Satan took a third of the angels with him. A third! And they're powerful beings, but you have authority over them. You just don't have to bind them. So let me just explain what it, what it, how a principality, how that kind of demonic can, can be made manifest. I'm sure that there's some type of principality that Satan has set over Philadelphia. For example, 2007, Philadelphia, poorest city in the United States, with the most amount of murders in the country, over 400 a year. It's like 1.25 a day. So, what we're taking a look at this, like you would say, spiritually. Like, so, Philadelphia has got something, man. What has it got? It's got murder, it's got drugs, it's got poverty and crime. Which is so amazing because it's a city that was actually named after a, a, a church in the book of Revelation. Like it's the demonic world that's trying to, 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 to reshape its prophetic destiny. A city of brotherly love. You have not much, it says in the book of Revelation, but you hold out unto the end. I see your works and what you have done. It's a city in 1776 that the Declaration of Independence was signed. That declared the end of tyranny and the birth of liberty. It's a place where the Constitution, the law of this country was ratified. And the enemy has corrupted it with murder, drugs, crime. Bristol is a similar thing. The murder that has happened. The drugs that are all over. The gang activity. The oppression. The poverty spirit. These are unnatural things. that can only be explained by principalities and territories. That you and I have authority over. But we may not see an end or change to these things. Because as John Piper said, the church, the bride, walks around planet earth without even knowing about these things. You got to know about them because it's your call in Ephesians chapter 3 that you are called to make the mysteries of God known to that realm. To that realm. You want to end the spirit of abortion? Abortion want to end the spirit of homosexuality, it's probably not going to happen by just talking to someone. It's going to happen when you contend with the Lord to break up the authority of that principality over a generation. And you only can do it through love. Alright, some of us live in, in central Bucks County. I work. My other job is in the center of Bucks County. That has a principality too. And what's that principality? Greed. Lust, gluttony, drugs. My high school was known as heroin high. Depression, anxiety. We had someone in our school for seven or eight years in a row, a child took their life. They don't do that in poor neighborhoods. They do that in wealthy neighborhoods because there's a principality of death and suicide that has been placed over those regions. But We have authority, amen? Come on, people. There's a way out of this. We have authority. Which wisdom are we to make known to them, to these principalities and territories? Look. They were there at the beginning when the the earth was formed. They know the story like Satan knows what Jesus did. Satan knows his death. Satan knows the resurrection of Jesus. They know the end of the story. That's why they fight so hard to keep the story from happening. Satan in the demonic world knows the end. They know the end. They know what's happening. So what do they do? They just try to delay it. They delay it as much and as long as possible. They already know that. But I'm telling you something, that there is something that they don't know. What they don't completely realize is that Jesus came not in vain. He came not in vain. He came to light up a bride. To remind them what Jesus has done for the world. They need to be convinced again, my man. They need to be convinced again, church. They need to be convinced in Philadelphia. They need to be convinced in Bristol. They need to be convinced in Doylestown, in Newtown, in New Hope. That Jesus came not in vain, but he came to set captives free. And that the kingdom of God will go forth. they got to be reminded. That's the mystery of God that needs to be held to that place again. And it can't happen just going around doing ordinary business, eating, sleeping, waking up, eating, going to work, doing your thing. It's not going to happen. You're going to remind principalities, people. The church needs to be reminded. He did not die in vain. They need to be reminded that this is our town. The sons of God and daughters are made manifest in this town. This is our territory due to the blood of Jesus. They need to be reminded. Death, you have no place in the camp of the Lord. Amen. Drugs, you have no place in the camp of the Lord. Suicide, you have no pla- place in my classroom. Because my classroom is mine because of the blood of Jesus. That's right. And I glory in that. I glory in that. I've never had a kid who's committed suicide, I've never had a kid to the best of my knowledge who has been on drugs or has been convicted of drugs or anything like that because I stand on that promise. I read over their names. I pray to heavenly places. You shall not have one of the ones that you have given to me to educate. That's the authority the church needs over your family, over your husband, over your wife, over your cousins, over cancer, over poverty, over depression. You have no place here. And I don't have to bind you because the strong man has been bound. I don't have to bind you. Just get out. You have no place here. This is the territory of Jesus. Amen? Come on. We let them know that Jesus works. That it was wise for the Son of Man to come, not just for salvation, to bring the kingdom we let heavenly places see the mystery that God came to earth to release the sons of God to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Amen? And that's why. That's why when you woke up this morning there was a little fight in the family. That's why when you woke up this morning you weren't feeling so good and you didn't know if you should go to church or not. That's why probably Ruth... Had that little attack and she had to be escorted away by an ambulance. That's why we had a little difficulty with worship. That's why, that's why, that's why, that's why. Because when you begin to raise the head of truth, of, of your calling, all of that is coming after you right now. And all of that is trying to come after us. And that raises the question, how do we make the wisdom known? How do we stabilize ourselves? How do we... Survive this and find, yes, share the gospel, yes. Worship the Father in spirit and truth. Be molded into his image and submit yourself to that. But one of the more powerful things with this is that you and I need to move heaven to fight for us. You have to move heaven. Prayer, worship, intercession. The Lord says my house is not a house of teaching. He says my house is a house of prayer because He understands what happens when believers come together in prayer. They change principalities. They move principalities out of regions. It's awesome. Our Wednesday night prayer group is like triple the amount. Praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 5 verse 8 actually says That in the throne room of God, the living creatures. Let's read it because you're not going to believe me. If you guys could just show off your phone a little longer, that'd be great. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Now when we had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. Right now, in heavenly places in the throne room of God, the 24 elders, the four living creatures that are encircled around the throne of God are collecting our prayers in bowls and laying them down before the Father as sacrifice. Woo! You want to rid crime out of your neighborhood? You want to rid poverty? Go drop a prayer into the bowl in heaven. That's the authority we have. As I was saying during worship in ancient Israel, before they went out to battle or when they went to battle, the fighters, the warriors, those with swords and arrows... They were in the back. The ones that led the charge, the ones that led the charge were the worshipers. They worshiped. And as they worshiped, they didn't have to fight. The Lord sent the hosts of heaven to fight on behalf of Israel. Too many of us are fighting. Too many of us are fighting in the natural. You fight. You try to convince, and you get nowhere. You've been struggling with something for decades? You haven't seen something manifest in your life? you got to reverse the order. Before you go off the battle, you need to send forth the worshipers, and you need to be a worshiper and worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In intercession, in prayer, because that's the place where you move principalities that are reigning over your son or daughter who has not come to faith. It's that place that you, you command those principalities to get out of here because you have no authority. Because not you binding, he's already been bound, but the hosts of heaven are released on your behalf. And I'm just convinced that the hosts of heaven, God himself, Adonai Zebaot, the God of heaven's armies, has a little bit more authority than me. So we send him to battle for us. And we do it through prayer, worship, and intercession. Amen. Come on, are you stirred? Maybe, some of you, all right. Now, I have to, yeah, you know, but I just don't want to stir you up for this. You know, we condense worship short for a reason. I wanted to step in. If you have to go, you have to go. But I want you guys to step in and let's practice this. Let's intercede for our town. We've been doing this the last couple weeks, like amped up. Dana and Jose has been instructing us on some things in prayer. And we've been praying and interceding for Bristol, praying and interceding for Philadelphia, praying and interceding for the region. We we're, we were, we were just praying against the stronghold of, of demonic, stronghold of poverty, the stronghold of drugs. I kid you not. Just came out. Two miles from my house. One mile from the Mott's house before they moved. The largest drug bust, I believe, in Philadelphia history happened. Eight million dollars a week. Two miles from my house. One mile from the Mott's house. The kingdom of God was encircling the tents of the enemy. And we prayed and we worshipped in this place. And the heavenly hosts went out and gave wisdom and counsel to the police. That's what we're talking about. God is able to do it. We just need to summon him. We need to worship him. We need to move heaven, amen? If we can stand, please. Let me close up with this. Psalm 68. If you got your word, I would take it out, man. Your word is a sword in the spirit. This is how you go to battle with this book. So if you got one, take it out. If you don't have one, there's one before you if you'd like. Psalm 68. Let God arise. You can just begin with the worship is my warfare bridge. That'd be awesome. Let God arise, woo! Let God arise. Let His enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate Him flee before Him, as smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him who rides on the clouds. But His name, Yah. And rejoice before Him. He is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows. His God is God in His holy habitation. God sets the peace in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Oh God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, Selah. Pause, reflect on the word. When you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook. The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Mount Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God. The God of Israel. You, O oh God, set a plentiful rain, whereby you confirmed your inheritance. When it was weary, your congregation dwelt in it. You, O oh God, provided from your goodness for the poor. Mario, if you can start singing that. I'm just going to... When Mario is just getting us started, I'm just going to pray. pray... Those scripture verses into Bristol. And I encourage you to either worship or read over those words or pray with me. Come on, it's time for the the body of Messiah to rise up into its calling. You have authority over all of these things. We have the authority. Yes. Is Let God arise. Worship is May his enemies be scattered in Bristol. My my Let God arise. My Murder melt before God and his holiness. My Gangs and wicked people. Be removed from the presence of God in this town. God, arise. Arise in Bristol again, O God. Arise in Philadelphia again, O God. Be a father to the fatherless. We pray against the spirit of orphanhood. And we raise up the spirit of adoption where we cry out, Abba, Father. Let God arise in our homes. Let God arise in our bodies. Let God arise in our families. Oh, Yah. Yah, my God, arise. Spirit of poverty be removed in Bristol. We speak life. We speak your inheritance. God arise let God arise in Philadelphia the city of brotherly love arise to your calling church of Bristol we pray we pray we adopt our calling every hindrance laid aside Anxiety, depression's got to go. It's got to go in the presence of God. God arise! Yes! Disease's got to go in Jesus' name disease, you've already been bound. You need to go in Jesus' name. Worship is my warfare. My praise is a weapon. Come on, church. Why do we all sing this with the worship team? Worship is my warfare. And praise is a weapon. My praise is a weapon, worship is my warfare My praise is a weapon, my praise is a weapon if you are personally going through some warfare in your life I just encourage you to come up to the altar and the congregation would just pray blessing over you any kind of warfare disease anxiety, poverty drugs, addiction family members that need to be saved come up church it's time to go to war time to go to war